continue our study here through the book of Hebrews. Dustin, if you want to put that first slide up here, just a couple of the things that we've been going through just to kind of remind you of this and some of the points that we have. Because Hebrews 11 is this wonderful chapter. Wonderful chapter that's covering hundreds, thousands of years of history of the Old Testament. And what you have is all these different people, about 40 different characters, and how they walked in faith. And what does that mean for us today, to walk in faith? These are the verses that we've been talking about these last few weeks. Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by his faith. What does it mean to live by faith? Not just say it. Not just repeat it, but to really live it. Man, I tell you, there's a lot of Christians out there. They're Christians in name only. We're talking about a life that really is living it, and it's an example of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And then what does it mean for us to walk by faith, not by sight? That's what these guys and gals are doing here in Hebrews 11. They're walking by faith. They may not know all the details. So we started out with what? We started out with creation, then we talked about Abel, and then Enoch, and then Noah. And then last week we talked about Abraham, who truly did walk in faith, wandered where he did not know where he was going. So we're going to continue this idea here tonight, and I hope that you're blessed by this, and that your faith grows, because I know some of you are going through difficult times. So therefore, you need that faith to say, Lord, I trust you, not just in words. We throw that out a lot. Oh, Lord, I trust you. No, in my innermost being, I trust that God is sovereign and he has something in store for me. And whatever comes my way, Lord, I trust and believe and I will not falter in this. That's what it means to walk in faith and that's what we want to do. So we left off verse 13. It says, these all died in faith. All these guys that we talked about, Abel and Noah, etc., Abraham, these all died in faith, verse 13, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Now, let's talk about this a little bit. They died. They didn't see some of this stuff happen. As we talked about last week with Abram, Abram's name was Exalted Father, and then he became Abraham, which is father of a multitude. And when he was named Abraham, he had one child eventually with his wife, Sarah. So here he is, he dies as father of a multitude with one child between him and his wife, Sarah. He had to, in faith, trust that the Lord was going to do what he said. Now, some of you are here tonight, and there's a lot of things you don't see. Maybe you don't see your kids walking the way they should be with the Lord. You don't see your grandkids walking the way they should be with the Lord. And you're going to have faith that they're going to get saved. Right now, your health is not what you want it to be, so you're going to have faith that your health is going to get better. Right now, you feel like you don't have a purpose or a ministry, so you have faith that that's going to happen. Lord, there's a calling for me. Or maybe your marriage needs to be restored. Or maybe you need a spouse. You have faith that the Lord is moving and working, and it goes with this. We walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. There are things that you do not see at this point, but you are trusting the Lord is moving and working behind the scenes, and He is doing something. And what does that look like? Look at verse 13. Three words I want you to focus on. Assured, embraced, and confessed. Now, your translation may be a little bit different. I'm using New King James. They were assured of these promises. Some of your translations said they were persuaded of these promises. They saw these promises. They believed it. First thing I have to ask you, if you want to walk in faith, do you truly believe That the Lord is doing something behind the scenes when you don't see it. And do you truly believe that even though the outlook right now does not look good, you believe God is moving and working? That's what it means to be assured of it. If you don't have that, it's hard to move past this point. Because God is asking you in faith 
to trust that he's doing things that you don't see. So we need to be assured of that. The next one, we need to embrace it. Some translations say welcome it. I sum it up by saying you got to live it now. I welcome this. This is not where I want to be at this time. Once again, health, marriage, ministry. But I welcome in faith that God is doing something that I don't see, and I'm going to live it now. And then the last one, confess it. Confess it. Some of your translations agree it. That means I am now going to go walk in it. I agree that God is moving and working. I agree that God is good. I agree that God has a plan. I don't see it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I'm assured of it. I embrace it. And I confess it. If you're in a difficult spot right now in life, and you feel like you're not walking in that faith, may I go back to the very beginning with you and just ask very simply, are you assured of it? Do you believe that God does things? Because he is. He's moving and working. Can you believe it even though you don't see it? Just like Abraham had to believe and trust that that son, that that multitude of kids that he was going to have, he had one kid at 100 years old. You have to be assured that God is moving and working in your kids, your grandkids, your marriage, your ministry, fill in the blank, even when you don't see it next to him. Can you embrace it? Can you welcome it? Can you take it and say, now I'm going to live in it? I'm going to live in it. I'm not going to walk in doubt. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm not going to walk in anxiety. I'm going to do exactly what this verse says. I'm going to live by faith, and I'm going to walk by faith. Because that's what a child of God does. And then the third one, just to remind us, confess it. Agree with it. I'm going to, in faith, say in faith that God is moving and working. That's what we're learning here in Hebrews 11, verse 13. That sets the tone now. Because now what we do is verse 14. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have opportunity to return, but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Now, we've gone through this a lot. I've got a couple verses I want to share with you. Dustin, can you go to the next slide? Just to remind us, to mind us of this. What are we talking about here in verses 14 through 16? Verse 14, these people that walk in faith, they want a homeland. So what they remind us of in verse 15, this is not your home. This is not your home. Now, you've got to remember that, believers. And then in verse 16, we desire something better. Just remind yourself of this. First Peter 2.11, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. That's how you need to look at your stay on this earth. You are a temporary resident on this earth, and you're a foreigner. You're just visiting earth for a little bit. Because you're actually an eternal creature that is going to either live eternally in heaven or eternally in hell. Now, through Christ, it's heaven. But this is not our home. So please remember that in four years when the election comes up again, don't get worked up. Please remember that when you watch the evening news and the world is falling apart. Please remember that when the job doesn't go the way you think it should, when your health doesn't go the way you think it should, when you're not treated with respect like you think you should, this is not your home. You're a temporary resident and a foreigner. Next one. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that, that's my citizenship. That's, that's what I'm looking forward to, is heaven. So when something happens on this world, yeah, it disappoints me. Yeah, it frustrates me. Yeah, it can get to me. But ultimately, this is not the end goal. 2 Corinthians 5.20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Remember what an ambassador does. An ambassador represents a government and is sent to a foreign land. 
So we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent Jesus and we have been sent to a foreign land. What's the foreign land? Earth. Now, that's a little strange because I was born here, but this is my foreign land. As soon as I got saved and as soon as I became born again, I became a child of God and now my citizenship is in heaven. My focus is in heaven. I look past this and I look forward to something else. Because see, go back to verse 14. You want more. You're seeking a homeland. More what? Maybe more peace in your life. Maybe no more pain. No more tears. Where's that going to happen? Heaven. One of my favorite verses to quote comes out of the book of Revelation. And I share it at almost every funeral I do. Where it says, there is no more pain, no more tears, no more sadness, no more sorrow. That's what I look forward to. That's my homeland. Now here's the catch, verse 15. You can go back if you want. You have the opportunity to return. As we've said out here many times before, the most miserable person in the world is a believer who knows what they're supposed to be doing, but they're not. Because they can't have joy in the world because they're convicted. But yet when they come and try to go deeper in the Lord, they're also convicted as well because they realize they're living a double life. See, somebody who's not saved can go into the world and do whatever they want, and sometimes they don't feel bad about it. But if you confess Christ, and you say, I want to live a life according to the Bible, and when you try to go into the world and live like the world, you're going to be miserable. See, the problem in verse 15, God in our free will choice says, I'm not going to make you go to your new home. If you want to go back, you can go back. And some people choose to go back. They go back to the old lifestyle. Or they go back to fear, worry, anxiety, bitterness, fill in the blank. And they want to live there. And then they wonder why they have no joy. See, we have to keep in mind verse 16. There is a better, a heavenly country. We keep our focus forward. Keep our focus forward. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 9. That when you're trying to plow your field, if you put your hands on the plow and look backwards, you're not fit for the kingdom. Now, growing up in a farming community, if anybody's ever been out there in the field, you know what I'm talking about. I can remember when my dad would send me out to the field, and one time it was uh, chopping sorghum, another time it was working ground. I remember my dad telling me, pick an object in the distance, like a telephone pole or something or a tree, keep your eyes on that, and that's how you make your straight line in the field. Because if you keep something right in front of her, or you look back to see if you're straight, you're going to be all wiggly all over the place. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He goes, you put your hands on the plow and you move forward. If you keep looking back, you're not going to make any progress. How many of us do not walk in faith and we constantly look backwards? We look backwards to all the years we've lost to health, all the years we've lost to a bad marriage, all the years we've lost to pointless living, and then we don't even move forward in the Lord. God wants to move forward. He wants to do something. You know, Proverbs 4.25 makes it very clear. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Proverbs 4.25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. I keep my eyes on Christ, on my eyes on the homeland, and I walk in faith. I look past this. I look forward to something else. And I remind myself, I am a temporary resident and foreigner of this planet. And while I'm here, I'm an ambassador for Christ, and I will represent Jesus in all I say and do. That's what Hebrews is trying to tell us. And then now in verses 17 through 22, they use Abraham, they use Jacob, Isaac, and Joseph as an example of looking forward. Now, before we get into those four characters, anybody have any quick questions, comments here? Yeah, Ryan.
he did. So for David to be hearing about, you know, his throne reign eternal through Christ, that was a thousand years after he died. Yeah. And he didn't know about what his son would do and the king would split. And it just, these characters, they, they lived a long time apart from each other. And you make up a very valid point. I think we have a tendency when we look at Old Testament characters, we lump them all together. You know, Moses and Abraham. Moses and Abraham were separated by hundreds of years. You know, David to Moses or Abraham, they're separated by probably, what, my quick math here, at least a thousand years. I think I figured up one time that Jesus to, uh, was it Jesus to Abraham was 2,000 years. So the time has been from us to Christ is the same as Christ was to Abraham. Like like Ryan is saying, there's 4,000 years of history. So they had to believe it. Now, when we read the Bible, we get the full story. So we read Abraham saying, you're going to be a father of a multitude. Oh, yeah, I remember this. He's going to have Isaac. And then he's going to have Jacob. And Jacob's going to have the 12 tribes and the 12 tribes. Yeah, that took centuries to get to that point. They walked in faith, just like we have to walk in faith. I think we have a tendency sometimes to take these Old Testament characters and put them on this level of super sainthood. That's why the Bible is so brutally honest. David, a man after God's own heart. Oh, I wish I could live like David. So adultery, murder, (laughs) that's what he did. We have to remember that a little bit here. So yeah, these guys were definitely walking in centuries, if not millennia, of faith as well too, just like we are. Anybody else have anything here before we move on? All right, so now we've laid the groundwork. Let's look at our examples here of these different people that we're talking about. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. I don't think we can ever fully understand what Abraham went through with Isaac. I don't think we can. We we know the full story. We know the full story. We know that God at the last moment miraculously provides the ram. And remember, if you ever want to do a deeper study, I encourage you there in Genesis 22, where Abraham makes this prophetic statement, the Lord himself will provide the sacrifice. It's a picture of God providing his own son as a sacrifice. But what you see here is Abraham's faith. So, let's use these four people as an example. We're talking about faith. What does Abraham's faith look like for us today? You have to look past the temporary pain to the hope of the future. The temporary pain would have been the death of his son. Now, when you study this out, most people believe Isaac could have been 25, 30 years old. There's faith in Isaac here, too. They're walking up the mountain. They get up to the point of sacrifice. Abraham, at this time... 120, 130 years old. He's not going to wrestle his son down. He's not going to tie his son up. He's not going to do it. I saw a great picture one time of what it looked like. And what it looked like was what? Isaac willfully offering himself up. It's a beautiful picture of God the Father in Christ. It really is. So Abraham in faith, um, knife in his hand, getting ready to come down. The angel says, no. Now, you could stop there and say, well, this is a problem I have. Why would God tell Abraham to sacrifice his son? You have to remember it was never God's intention for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. If you read out the rest of the story and the rest of the Bible, it was a test to say, Abraham, are you willing? And what was Abraham's faith? Look at verse 19. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. That's faith. God, you're asking me to sacrifice my son that I waited a century for. That is the promised son. 
that I'm going to have a multitude of descendants from. And now you're asking me to kill him. Okay, because obviously you promised that you'd use Isaac. So the only thing I can concur is that you're going to raise him from the dead. That's faith. Because why, verse 19? He'd already received him from the dead. Because remember what we talked about last week, verse 12? Therefore from one man and him as good as dead. See? He's already been raised from the dead once because Abraham shouldn't have been able to have children. Sarah shouldn't have been able to have children. So therefore Isaac already came from the dead one time. God can do it again. What can we learn from Abraham? It's not about you being willing to sacrifice whatever you want. That's not the point of it. The point of verses 17 through 19 is that you're willing to give it up because in faith you conclude whatever sacrifice you make pales into the comparison of what God is going to do for you. There's nothing. If you're holding on to something and you say, I can't, I can't let it go. Well, then wait a second. Where's your faith? I was over visiting somebody one time. And they had a picture of all their children up on their wall. Now, I'm not trying to pick on you older generation. I am not trying to pick on you. I will be there one day unless Jesus returns. But older generation, you have a tendency to leave up high school pictures that your kids have graduated like 50 years ago. Okay? I don't know why you do it, but I'm just saying you do. And... My parents have our high school pictures up. My in-laws have their high school pictures up. I go to other houses, and you know what I'm talking about. It's like, why are you doing that? So anyway, I'm over at this person's house, and they have their high school pictures up of their kids. And their kids at this time are in their 60s. And I'm, just, and I'm looking at that, and I'm starting to have a family at the time. And I remember I asked this person, I said, how do you let go of that? In the sense of how do you just trust that the Lord is going to take care of them. And I remember their answer was not eloquent. Their answer was not deeply spiritual or biblical. Their answer was practical. I remember she said, what else am I going to do? I have to trust the Lord. And isn't that the truth? I have to, in faith, trust the Lord that he's going to take care of those kids because I can't be with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So in faith, I let go of them knowing that the Lord loves them more than I do. Abraham, in faith, says, Isaac, I'll sacrifice you. Because, you know what? Look at verse 18. And Isaac, your seed shall be called. The only thing I can conclude is God's going to have to raise you from the dead, son. Because <laughs> it has to be you. That's faith. Never be afraid to let go of something in faith knowing that God will take care of you. Don't be afraid to do that. Okay, what can we learn from Isaac? Verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. He blessed them concerning things to come. This idea of what it was going to be. Now, let's go take a look at some of these blessings, if you will. Go back with me to Genesis. Genesis 27. It's a good opportunity for us to get in there and learn about these guys, take some notes. Beautiful thing about Hebrews chapter 11 is you get a chance to do a nice little survey of the Old Testament. Genesis 27. Now, there's a little bit of background here. And I'll let you do this on your own time of study. you got the whole story of Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. Jacob stealing the blessing from Esau here from Isaac. But let's look at the blessing that is given, because that's what the uh, context of Hebrews 11 is about. Take a look here. Verse 28 of Genesis 27. Therefore, my God, excuse me, therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. 
Now, let me go off on a small tangent, and I'll try to keep it short here real quick. Please look at the end of verse 29. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. What are we talking about? We're talking about the descendants here of Jacob. That's the 12 tribes of Israel. We're talking about the nation of Israel. Let me always point out to you, when given an opportunity scripturally, how important it is as, as for as believers and as a nation to support Israel. Never, ever, ever forget that. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. But back to Hebrews 11. Keep your hand here in Genesis. What are we talking about in faith again? This promise of faith, it says once again, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Okay, remember the point for Abraham. In faith you have to be willing to give something up, knowing that the Lord is going to take care of you. Okay, now what do we see here with uh, the blessing of Isaac and Jacob? In faith you have to believe in things to come. Things to come that you don't see. You don't see it. Look at this. You're going to have the fatness of the earth, grain and wine. People serve you. Nations bow down to you. That's not happening at this point. In faith, you have to trust that. So right now, just like in faith, you have to trust in things to come that you do not see. Sometimes when I'm in prayer for stuff, I'll just start already start praising God in faith. Lord, I thank you. For what you're going to do in this future situation because you are good and do good. Lord, I thank you for the spouses you're going to bring to my kids. Lord, I thank you for the ministry opportunities that are going to come up that I don't even know about yet. Lord, you're going to move and work in ways I don't see. And if it's a difficult situation, sometimes, Lord, I'm already praising you in faith because I know you're going to put a healing in this marriage. Lord, I know in faith that you're going to take care of it. That's walking in faith, trusting that the Lord is doing things you don't see and trusting in the future that we don't see yet. Keep your hand here in Genesis, because now we're going to start talking about Jacob here a little bit. See, now, next one. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. Stay in Genesis and go with me to Genesis 49. What can we learn from the blessing there of Jacob now giving to Joseph? Genesis 49. We're going to start in verse uh, 22. Remember, Abraham, in faith, what are we willing to give up to trust the Lord's going to do something? That's Abraham. Next one, Jacob, in faith, we believe that he's going to do stuff we can't even see. Now, what do we learn here with Jacob to Joseph? Genesis 49, verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. Now, that's a blessing. Basically saying that Joseph is going to be very blessed, very fruitful. Imagine this plant just overtaking everything. That's not what I want to talk about here. Take a look here at verse 23. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. Remember what happened to Joseph. He was his father's favorite. Coat of many colors. Thrown in the well. Sold into slavery. Went to an Egyptian prison for a crime he didn't commit. Was accused of rape. Next thing you know, he is out of prison and he is second in charge of Egypt. That's quite the story right there. And I encourage you once again, if you're looking for some type of devotions, stay in Genesis here. Read up about these people. But what do we learn about Joseph? Jump ahead to verse 25. Actually, stay in verse 23. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd and stone of Israel. By the God of your father who will help you. And by the almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above. Blessings of the deep that lies beneath. Blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of your father have exalted excelled the blessings of my ancestors. Up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph. What can we learn from this? 
Joseph had strength while he was being shot at. Now, we've all been through difficult times in life. I'm willing to bet nobody here ever was roughed up, thrown in a well, and sold as a slave. I bet you didn't go to Egypt and then be accused of a crime you didn't commit, and then get thrown in prison, and then miraculously be able to answer dreams, and then go and become second in charge of Egypt. Joseph went through a tough life. Now, you've gone through a tough life as well. What can we learn from Joseph's life? In faith, in faith, you have to look past the past. You have to. You all know somebody who can't look past the past. They can't. They have been so hurt, so wronged by what has happened in their lives. Some of it by their choice, a lot of it by not their choice. They can't look past the past. And they are stuck in what? Verse 23, being shot at and being bitter and hating. But in faith, verse 24, but his bow remained strength and the arms of his hands were made strong. In faith, you have to look past the past and move forward. That's what you have to do. Now, let's stop here for a second because i got one more to say. And then we're going to close up here. Go back to the very beginning. Faith. Looking forward. That's what we're talking about tonight with faith is looking forward. Being assured of it. Embracing it. Confessing it. Looking past and looking forward to something else. Now, we learned from Abraham... In faith, I'm willing to make a sacrifice because I know the Lord's going to do something more than I could imagine. We learn from Isaac a faith in things to come. We learned here from Jacob, idea of Jacob blessing Joseph, the faith that looks past the past. Now, we're down to our last one. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. What's the faith of Joseph? The faith of Joseph is, if you remember the story, the nation of Israel was in Egypt. The faith of Joseph was, guys, we're going to leave Egypt. And God's going to give us a home, a promised land. Isn't that what we're talking about here now, full circle? The faith that there's something more than what's going on right now. That's the faith that gets you through. Because it's really easy to get focused on what is wrong. No, I am a temporary resident foreigner. My citizenship is in heaven, and I am an ambassador of Christ. So just like Joseph, I say there's something more coming. There's a homeland for me. And faith, I believe, the same thing for me today. Now, I don't know where you're at in this tonight. I don't know if you're at Abraham right now, where you can't look past the temporary pain. You can't look past the sacrifice. I don't know if you're at with Isaac, that it's just hard for you to believe that the blessings are coming. Maybe you're like uh, Jacob and Joseph right now. You can't look past the past. You are so full of hurt, pain, and bitterness that the people have shot at you that you can't move forward. Or maybe you're like Joseph. It's hard to believe that there's more out there. It's hard to believe there's a homeland. Whatever spot you're in, go back to what we said in verse 13. Be assured of these promises in faith. Embrace these promises in faith. And then confess these promises in faith. That's what God is asking you to do. Now, any final quick questions, comments about anything here before we close up with a word of prayer? Okay. We need to take it now and live it. Remember the first two verses we shared. We live by faith and we walk by faith. What we're going to do here is we're going to have a time of prayer as we close up. And then if you want to pray privately, or I should say not privately, but up here, 
I encourage you to come on up afterwards. Maybe you got something going through your life right now and this whole faith thing is difficult. Or maybe you want to, in faith, pray with somebody and say, I, in faith, am giving my kids over to the Lord, my grandkids over to the Lord. I'm giving my marriage over to the Lord, my ministry, whatever it is. doesn't matter what it looks like now. But in faith, I'm giving over to the Lord. Trust that he's moving and working in ways that I do not see and I cannot understand. Hey, would you guys stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Fathers, we just come to you now. You've given us these examples of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Lord, they went through things that we can't even imagine. Help us in faith to look past the here and now and to look forward to what you are doing and moving and working in. Lord, if there's someone here tonight that is struggling with their health, help them in faith to trust that you're moving and working. Do not let that bring them down. Maybe there's a marriage that needs to be restored. Maybe there's a parent with the heart for their child that's lost or for their grandkids. I don't know. But whatever it is, I just pray that in faith we trust that you're moving and working even when we don't see it. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for all you've done. And Lord, as we go through this week, and there'll be difficult times that come, help us not to be rocked or moved by that, but in faith trust you. We lift this up in your name. Amen. Before I let you guys go, you can take a seat if you want here. Um, we mentioned on Sunday that uh, Bob Smith was having a triple uh, heart bypass surgery. He had the surgery, a few little complications, but he's doing good. There is a prayer quilt in the kitchen if you want to go pray over that. If you've never done that before, what it is, there's little knots there. And as you pray for Bob Smith, you may know him, you may not know him. You tie a little knot. And what that is is then we'll go deliver that to Bob. And it's a prayer quilt. And the, you see the symbolism of it that Bob has been covered in prayer. So it's a pretty cool thing there. So if you feel led to do that, it's laying on the counter there in the kitchen on your way out. Feel free to go over and pray for Bob. We'll get a chance to deliver that. And as he's recovering here from the surgery, it will show him that he is covered in prayer. So you guys are free to go. If somebody has something they want to pray about personally, come on up here. Corporately, come on up here. We'll get a chance to pray. And you guys have a good week and God bless.